Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is author Hillary Topper. We will discuss branding in a digital world. Since 1992, Hillary has been the Chief Executive Officer of HJMT Public Relations. She is also an adjunct professor at Hofstra University, where she teaches digital communication, PR tools, and persuasive presentation for undergraduate and graduate students. She's the host of a weekly podcast, Hillary Topper on Air, chief curator of HJMT Media Company, LLC, where she writes two blogs, New York Lifestyle Blog and atriathletesdiary.com. According to her biography, her blogs receive more than 50,000 unique visitors a month. Her weekly podcast, which has been running since 2011, is called Hillary Topper on Air. She wrote Branding in a Digital World to offer small business owners information on how to grow their businesses through digital media. Her first book, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Social Media But Were Afraid to Ask, Building Your Business Using Consumer-Generated Media, was published in 2009. Hillary, welcome. Thank you, Elena. I appreciate you having me on the show. I think this is a topic that is in great demand, is understanding how to navigate branding in the digital world, which is similar to regular branding, but on the other hand is different, right? Well, what I try to do is I try to explain to new business owners or even existing business owners to try to come up with something that's going to be a unique differentiator and take that and go with it for your brand. So, for example, when I teach at Hofstra, I say to the students, okay, you're going to be talking, you're going to be looking for a job in the near future. What is going to make you different than everybody else out there looking for that same job? So I tell them to come up with something that they're passionate about, something that will, um, that will help them to, you know, to become an expert in that particular area. So for example, I have some students who have done their entire brands on Airlines, because they wanted to get a job at JetBlue or Delta Airlines. Or I've had other students who have wanted to uh, be an expert in entertainment. And everything that they did going forward in the class would pertain to entertainment. And that's what I teach small business owners and existing owners as well. Take something that you're passionate about. Like for me, I'm passionate about triathlons and, you know, run, uh, swimming, biking, and, and running. So I use that as my differentiator, right? If I could do that and and use that to build my brand, I can connect with people in that space and we will have a passion, you know, together and be able to do business with each other. Because the bottom line here is you want to do business with people that you like and that you can connect with. How would you define branding? A lot of people don't use that term. A lot of people seem to be very confused 
between marketing and public relations and branding and advertising. Help us get the conversation started by defining what you mean in the title of the book and for purposes of our discussion when you say branding. Well, I think branding is everything about your brand. I mean, it starts with your graphic identity, you know, what colors you're going to use in your logo, how that's going to define you, what your actual image is out there in the community, how you, you, you want people to see you and how you want customers to connect with you. This is all branding. It's all everything that you do going forward in your in your business is your is your brand. And what I help people do is I help them create their personal brand that will connect with the business. Does that clarify it for you? I, I think it's a good point of departure. How do you distinguish branding from public relations, from marketing, from advertising? Well, it's all part of it. It's branding. It comes first. I mean, that's basic. You have to decide what your brand is, what your identity is prior to developing some type of an integrated marketing plan. Um, which would encompass public relations, publicity, advertising, direct mail, uh, email marketing. I mean, that would all be encompassed into the integrated marketing plan. But the brand comes first. You so have you have to, to figure out how you want to be seen before you can do anything else is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So that comes first. And that's why I talk about, you know, what your passion is, because that becomes easy. When you're passionate about something, then it's easy to take that and and and, and use that with your brand. This sounds simplistic, but how do you know? A lot of people get that blank look on their face when you raise questions such as what is your brand how do you want your customers to see you something that you just mentioned a minute ago what colors do you want to use what logo do you want to use Mm -hmm. are there questions that you ask your clients your students that help them answer that first question absolutely so i mean it has to start If you have an existing business, I would survey some of my clients and I would ask them, what do you think my strengths are? What do you think my weaknesses are? It all starts with a SWOT analysis, your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities and threats. That's where it starts. I mean, you have to like do a little deep dive. Now with my students, we just go right into the passion because if they're passionate about something, they'll be able to take that and run with it. If you're starting a business, you're starting a business and you want to uh, start a dog grooming business, I mean, it starts with dogs and becoming an expert in dogs and, and you know, researching as much as you can and really getting out there the word about 
you know, different breeds of dogs or what dogs like to do, you know, or play with or, you know, what they like, what they should be eating. And, you know, and you just, you just develop that. And then from there, you decide on what your goals are, you know, what what are your goals? What do you want to do with this? You know, okay, I've got a dog grooming business that I'm starting, and maybe my goal is to get a 1,000 clients in the next six months. Then I look at how am I going to go about doing that, right? So I kind of I list it up, and I, I figure out where I'm going with this. How am I going to get them there? You know, how am I going to get there? And that's what I'm talking about in terms of this integrated marketing approach because, you know, and in the book, it, 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 it gives you an outline of how you could do this yourself. It's a real do-it-yourself type of book, and that's the beauty of this, that you don't have to hire a PR firm or a marketing firm. You could do this yourself. You just need to dig deep and see where that passion is and what you want to do with it. You know, for me, it started, you know, from the get-go when I decided that I wanted to go into public relations. And, you know, I share a story in here about, um, you know, crashing Woody Allen's uh, New Year's Eve party with two of my friends and how after we did that, we were I, – I went and I called all the media and I got them involved and we were on the front cover of the New York Post. And because of that, I became so passionate about, okay, this is great. Like, if I could do this for myself – I could do this for other people. Now, how do I go about doing this, right? So, you know, you go along your path and you you try to learn as much as you can. And I knew from the very beginning I wanted to have my own business. So I worked at big PR firms and I worked at nonprofit organizations and I got as much experience as I could. And along the way, I was mapping out my integrated marketing plan. And that's how I got to, you know, to where I am today. I've been in business now almost 30 years. You started by crashing a party. <laughs> yes, that's how I started. I, um, we had, uh, my, my friends and I had seen a newspaper article in, and this was way back in 1979, so it was a long time ago. We, uh, were in high school and we saw a newspaper article in the New York Post that said that Woody Allen was having a New Year's Eve party and at the time he was, you know, he was a big celebrity and, Every single person that was anybody was going to be at this particular event. It was, you know, um, so we we loved his movies and we went to the Harkness house, which is where he was having his, his New Year's Eve party. And they showed us around. We told the, uh, the uh, manager that we were going to uh, have a party for my parents' 25th anniversary. So he showed us around. And after we left, we're on the Long Island Railroad, and we're drawing up a schematic of the place. Um, that New Year's Eve, it was December 31st, 1979 into 1980, we dressed as caterers. We knew who the caterers were. They were Donald Bruce White. And we went into the Harkness house saying that we were with the caterer, 
And as soon as the coast was clear, we hid out in the shower room for eight hours until the party started and changed quickly, left our clothes down in the shower room, and then met and mingled with some of the you know, finest actors of the day like Liza Minnelli and Carol Kane and uh, Mick Jagger and Robin Williams. It was incredible. But that was just my aha moment as to, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. I want, not that I want to be a professional party crasher, but that I wanted to go into publicity because it was something that I became really passionate about. What does that say to readers of the book who are looking for ways to distinguish themselves, to break through the clutter that is out there, whether it's by contacting people directly or media representatives or special events, whatever they're trying to accomplish. How far is it okay to go? You are saying in your book that it's okay to crash a party. It's okay to misrepresent who you are and hide for eight hours in order to meet celebrities. Where is that line that you shouldn't cross? Well, I don't know that I'm saying that. I'm saying that I did do that when I was in high school. And um, if it happened today, would I do that? Probably not. But the thing that it does say, I think, about me as a person is that I'm willing to take risks. And I'm willing to be more of, you know, I will be, a, I am a persistent type of person. So I'm not going to let no be an answer for me. If a door shuts, another door will open. There's never, I just don't really feel like you can, you know, stop yourself and say, I, you know, I can't do this. You can do this. Everybody can start a business if you really want to do it. It's a lot of work. And there are ups and downs. And you have to realize that there are these ups and downs. And, you know, if you can get through those downs and climb back up, then you will be a success. What is the line that you won't cross. You just told us that you're a very determined person and you won't take no for an answer, <laughs> that you'll keep chasing after that goal. Mm -hmm. But what what's the message to readers? What's the message to our listeners today? Where does that no kick in? What won't you do when you have a goal in mind, when you're pursuing a story or exposure or whatever it is that you're trying to do on behalf of a client, what's that line that you won't cross? Well, I mean, I, you know, that's that's a tough question. I mean, I'm not exactly sure. It depends. I mean, if it's something that is against a belief that I have, that if it's if it's representing somebody that I am having a hard time believing what they do or that their business is not legitimate, I will not represent them. I will not cross that line. I mean, I, I'll do certain things that will cross the line, but other things I just won't. Like I, I just, there's been many times that I've, I've had clients that have approached me and we've discussed different 
options and opportunities with them. And I just knew that they weren't the right fit and I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to represent you. I mean, I think, you know, Sometimes it, you don't have that luxury if you're really hungry. You know, it's, it's difficult to say no to somebody, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you really need the business. But I think you've got to be true to yourself and feel like, you know, is this something that is going to be, is going to hurt my reputation, is going to, um, you know, I'm not going to feel good about this at the end of the day. Um, I can't sleep at night because I'm representing somebody that I don't believe is reputable. I, I will most certainly walk away. So use your gut. If it feels wrong, walk away. Yeah, I th- I really believe that. And I think that, you know, I've built my whole business using my gut. I mean, it's just, you know, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. Um, you know, but when I get a, an email from a PR firm, you know, pitching me for my blog, and they only send me one email, um, and then they don't follow up, mm, that's kind of saying something to me, you know. Um, In the book, I talk about this, you know, if you're going to try to do some publicity for your particular business, you can't just send out one email, you've got to send out at least five, you know, just to make sure that the person has seen what you've sent. I mean, things go into junk mail. People get lots of emails, you know, so you've got to, you know, or, you know, tweet to them. They respond that way. Or even direct message, you know, it's just, it's, it's gone such a different direction since I started the, you know, this, in this field 30 years ago, you know, where we just used to send out press releases and today we're, we're tweeting to reporters and producers. We're sending them direct messages on Facebook and Instagram, you know, so there's just so much more opportunity to connect with the right people today. You just have to, you know, think about how you're going to go about doing that. We're talking to a great degree to an audience of small businesses or perhaps larger businesses with with shoestring budgets. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend to them in terms of a budget for purposes of branding and public relations? How much of their startup money should be should they be allocating to brand themselves? You know, that's really a hard question to say because everybody's got different budgets and, you know, in in mind. I mean, for me, what I have done in my life, and that's all I really can address right here, is that I started my business almost 30 years ago, and I didn't make a cent for about five to seven years. I Everything that I made, I put back into my business to market and brand myself. You know, so in terms of people out there, what they should do, 
they should look at their budget and feel and what what do they feel comfortable with? Do they feel comfortable with, you know, taking the first year or two and not making any money just to put it into, you know, developing themselves or take 25% of their budget and do that. You know, I mean there's just a range of different methods that you could you know, go by, but you have to, at the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable with it. You have to feel comfortable of, you know, how much money you're spending. Um, Most of this you can do yourself. You don't really need to hire a PR firm, you know, and and using digital media today is so wonderful because you've got such an amazing reach right now. And then in terms of influencers, if you can get some brand ambassadors to help you spread the word about your business and not have to pay them but just give them product in return for that, that's wonderful. I mean, do it, do it so that, you know, that you feel comfortable with it. How do you start? You, you mean in terms of if I started a business or? Well, this whole process. So we're discussing okay. yeah. the advice so, that you have in the book. How do they get started? How do they decide which elements of digital branding to pursue and does it depend, for example, on the type of business and product that they're selling? Absolutely. I mean, I think it 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 it, it depends on the type of product that they're selling. It's, um, but it also, you know, I mean, so I would start by putting together a plan. Okay, so you put together this integrated marketing plan, and you look at your goals and your your strategies and your objectives. Um, then. Start looking at the tactics. You definitely need some type of a graphic identity campaign. You know, you have to have something to go out there. So think about what your logo is going to look like. And there are inexpensive to free methods right on the Internet. You know, you could use Canva. You can use a lot of different – there's so many free apps out there that will help you design a logo. Uh, so you start there. And you choose the colors that feel right for you. You know, what what colors do you want to use that will reflect what you're doing? Then decide on whether or not, you know, I mean, obviously today you need a website. Is it responsive? Um, you know, it 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 better be <laughs> because otherwise nobody's going to find you, right? So you need to, you know, look at where you can get a website and how you can do it yourself. I mean, there's so many free websites out there that you can start with. Um, I would recommend buying a URL uh, that's about $12 and then, uh, you know, looking at different uh, applications to build your website. I would not recommend going with GoDaddy. I don't think that that's uh, the smartest move, but I would recommend going with a program like WordPress or a program, you know, like, uh, you know, Squarespace or Wix or Weebly. One of those would be great, and they're very easy, and they all have templates that can help you build your own website. And then what I would do is I would start thinking about keywords, like with um, your SEO. What keywords would somebody use to find your business? Start thinking about it in terms of questions. 
you know, because of Siri, because of um, Amazon Alexa, these are these are people are starting to ask questions when they are looking for something. So um, you, if again, if we're going back to the dog grooming place, if you're, you know, you might say, well, um, use as a keyword, as a long tail keyword, where's the nearest dog grooming place near me or in, you know, on Long Island or, you know, something that has a geolocation involved in it. And so you come up with a list of about 10 to 15 of these long tail keywords that you'll use. And you can use those in a blog post, which always does really well in terms of SEO. You could uh, use those in your social media. And then, again, when you're talking social media, it may be, excuse me, um, you may find that Facebook works for you. I find that in the running community, <clears throat> excuse me, for example, there's a lot of people on Facebook that are runners, you know, and it's a big running community. But say you have a fashion brand, that Facebook may not be the right place. You may want to, you know, you may want to uh, put your eggs into the Instagram basket. Um, and especially if you're looking at millennials or, uh, you know, older, then the Instagram basket may be the place that you want to put a lot of your um, effort. Or say you're looking to target Gen Zers, uh, you may want to start, you know, figuring out a strategy for TikTok. So there's a lot of different social networking sites that are out there and available and are free. You know, the problem with Facebook and the problem with Instagram when you have a business account is that it, you're not seen as much um, on your business page. So how do you get around that? You create a group on Facebook. Uh, you create, a, you know, a group where you can interact with people and really get to know them, you know, because what's happening now is that if you don't advertise on Facebook, as a lot of your listeners know, <laughs> people don't see you. Um, and then from the from the social media, you then want to go to, you know, should I do email marketing? Does that make any sense for me? Should I do direct mail? You know, does it really pay for me to take an ad out in a local newspaper? Maybe, maybe not. You know, with the digital age, it, it just may not make sense. And that may be a significant portion of your budget. So, you know, you have to think about that, um, you know, and and the, 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 the whole thing about marketing and public relations and branding is that it's, it is trial and error. There's no um, 100% uh, guaranteed way to, to do this. So you see what works for you. And if it works for you, then put more effort into it. If it doesn't work for you, then leave it and and go on to something else. What does it mean? I found a website called Omnicore that has some statistics mm -hmm. specific mm -hmm. to Facebook as we're discussing options. Mm -hmm. And it says that almost 90% of Facebook's daily active users come from outside the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What does that mean if you are a U.S. company? Does that mean that Facebook is still worth pursuing when only 10% of the users are in the U.S. and Canada? Yeah, I think I, I think that'll go for pretty much any of these sites. Instagram is the same, you know, um, Snapchat, um, you know, even LinkedIn. I mean, it's amazing how many more companies are from outside the U.S. that are in, than inside the U.S. And that's why I think the groups are good, and I think the groups work. You know, I think if you want to uh, go with Facebook, for example, and you really want to find the right people, I would suggest putting some money into advertising. And you don't have to put a lot in. I mean, I've done this for some a lot of my clients where we've spent like $50 for a whole month to, on advertising, but we were able to really hone in on the demographics. So, for example, you know, um, I had one client who, you know, had a, a, a business a, they helped businesses in um, Manhattan, and they were looking for um, for, for people in a specific area. So we were able to use those the zip codes and the demographics and that type of thing. You know, we we want to target a specific group. You know, African Americans or Asian Americans or Hispanic Americans. You know, so it, so you could do that on Facebook. You could do that on Instagram. You could do that on actually any of them. They all they they'll. You could do that and hone in on that, and that that's a really good way to build up your community. What can you tell us about these issues of user privacy? Many people have been concerned about tracking by the tech companies, uh, now the last thing I heard is that the cell phone companies are selling the user information to third parties. And, of course, we know about all the issues with the many other social media websites, mm-hmm. Facebook, of course, which bought Instagram and WhatsApp and all of their policies relating to privacy and the sale of people's data and photos and videos what can you tell us about that? What recommendations do you have? You know, it's very difficult when you are on social media to have to to be private. I mean, honestly, I mean, once you're on Facebook, once you're on any of these social networking sites, there's really no private. There's really no privacy. Um, what I do is I try to limit my exposure um and you know when my children were little i would never post any photos of my children on social media i would never post pictures of me and my husband together you know there's certain things i have a a a, a public uh, my profile is you know my facebook profile is open I post things about business. I post things about my blogs. I post things about the book. I post things about, you know, working at Hostra. But I don't, I don't post personal things. And I think that that's, that's an important piece here is that 
you know, you just really need to be careful about what you post and who, you, you know, when you post your children and things like that because it, it's a safety issue. I mean, it's very it's, – it's scary. I mean, you've got people – all over the world who are looking at your 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 profiles on all these different sites and you really don't know who everybody is that's seeing you you know so should you keep your should you keep your sites private no if you have a business and you need to use these sites for your business you've got to keep them open so it's just, you know, it's just being careful on your own end and and trying to really, you know, use common sense. I mean, look, today, you know, even with this coronavirus, you know, it's it's so common for us to all shake each other's hands or to give each other a kiss or a hug during a business meeting, right? But you know what? you got to be safe and you've you know, it's it's time not to. You know, maybe the Japanese are have a have a good uh, a, a good uh, thing here where they bow to each other. I mean, you know, it's just our culture. So I think it's just that we need to be really more careful about what we post and really just be specific to our particular brand and keep on point. Should you focus your resources on big outlets that are not necessarily a fit for your company, your product, your service, but that have a big reach? Or are you better off if you have, especially if you have a small budget, focusing your resources and your energy on sites that are more narrowly focused and a closer fit to what you have? Absolutely. I would definitely recommend doing the, the the smaller sites. I mean, even Nextdoor, right? Look at Nextdoor. So I've got a guy in the book who was an electrician. I don't know this guy, but I saw his ad, and I was so intrigued by that, and I thought, wow, that was a really good idea. He puts his ad on Nextdoor uh, so that neighbors in a particular community can see that he's an electrician and he services this particular community. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I would totally recommend for me or for anybody else who has a business out there that's a local business, you have a restaurant, focus on Yelp. Focus on, um, you know, making sure that you get good rec- references on Yelp, you know, so that you go up on the on the list or open tables or, you know, next door. Um, you know, if you have, um, a bigger, you know, a bigger company, then you may re- really want to rethink it. But I think for the smaller companies, if you have a, 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 if you use Facebook, create a group and take that group and make sure that those people are in a specific area. You know, uh, don't, you know, be careful about who you let in. You can ask questions to uh, participants of the group to find out where they're located. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of options, and that's what makes it so unique and so wonderful today about marketing and branding and PR is that you could do this yourself and you could target the right people in a specific area. Tell us about Twitter. 
Sure. I, I actually love Twitter. That's one of my favorite sites, although, you know, it has become much more political today. And with um, with our, our current president, it's become even more so. I mean, I think that he, he really helped. <laughs> he helped resurge Twitter. But um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of politics on there. But What's great about Twitter is that you could use Twitter with a specific hashtag and help your SEO for your company. So, for example, if I'm tweeting out something about the book, I use the hashtag branding in a bit digital world. Um, just to get that exposure on the, on my SE, you know, for search engine optimization. Um, so I do like it for that. I like it for, uh, SEO. And I also like it to target media people because they're all on it. So if you have a product or service that you think would be great, say you have a refrigeration and, you know, air conditioning and refrigeration company, Twitter might be a great place for you if you want to target, you know, the, the industry people. So it really depends on the industry, but you'll always find media people on Twitter. That's, like, very important for them to be on. Um You'll also be able to use it for your SEO so that you can, you know, go up on the search engines. Uh, and it's also a great place to connect with new people. You know, if you're watching the Academy Awards or you're watching Game of Thrones, which was my favorite show, um, you could converse with people on Twitter while it's going on. I also use Twitter a lot for live um live tweets during conferences and trade shows so that I can help make people aware of the different trade shows that I'm going to or, you know, that type of thing. Some people believe that email despite everything going on on social media is still the strongest tool marketing tool and in some cases and you talk a little bit about that in your book that mm -hmm. direct mail can be an effective tool because so few people are using it that you can gain traction mm -hmm. tell us absolutely. about absolutely yeah i mean it's it's funny because you know years ago when i first started the business um everybody was using you know uh, direct mail i mean that's what we did we we attracted people using direct mail and today Nobody, you really, you get very little mail. I mean, if any, in your mailbox. So it's a great way to, to target the right people. And if you're looking to target specific people, you can come up with some interesting campaigns that will help them, you know, help you get recognized. For example, um, I had represented a direct mail firm. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> and this direct mail firm wanted to target marketing directors at big companies. And they didn't have that big of a list. It was maybe 100 people. So what they did was they we I came up with this idea um, during Valentine's Day that said it was a it was a, a beautiful piece of chocolate. We had this produced by um, you know one of the promotional houses, and the the chocolate said it was a it was in the shape of a letter with a big heart, and it said we love to mail your letters, and we sent this out. Now you know this was 
a few years back, and there's a little bit of a safety at this point with, um, you know, with sending food in the mail, but but it's just giving you an idea of the types of things that you could do that really ended up not costing him that much money to do. Um, it was just really the postage, and the postage really wasn't that much. It wasn't a heavy uh, piece of chocolate, so it, it the bottom line was it it wasn't that expensive and it was very effective they ended up picking up quite a few clients and it was just they were just targeting like 100 people so it was a really good return on investment so yeah i mean today i think the mail is a great place to target people Email is not dead, and email is still very effective. But I think in terms of when you're building an integrated marketing plan, you want to encompass all of these different tools into your plan, not just, you know, take, okay, I'm just going to use email, and that's going to help me build my business. That's not going to do it. You need a combination of a a lot of different, a lot of different tools to get out there. And then, again, you know, doing your A-B testing. Okay, you know, I tried to do this email and I, um, and nobody clicked on, you know, the, 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 the link. Um, maybe I should have tried a different subject or, um, maybe the copy didn't work or maybe the photo in the emails didn't work or it didn't load quickly. You know, so you have that that different testing that you could do yourself and see. And with the with the different uh, HTML email servers that they have today, like MailChimp and Constant Contact and Target Marketing, you could really see who who actually opened your pieces and and then do somewhat of a drip campaign to try to bring them into your world. You know, the, the bottom line here is you want to try to get people to have you know to know who you are to recognize your brand and to buy from you tell us a little bit more about how you can tell whether a particular strategy or channel is successful how do you measure that and can you go beyond numbers because not not it's not always about the total number sometimes the quality of the audience is much more important than the quantity absolutely and 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 that that really is so true i mean even if you decide to say get an ambassador for your business or a, you know you decide that you want to start to you know get a few people to get the word out about you um and you look at their markets and see who they're targeting and if those their target market is the right target market for your business then you know that would really help you build market share one of the examples that I have in the book is um, on a company called Belega, and Belega makes these amazing socks. I mean, I'll just give you a little sidebar. So in 2016, I ran the New York City Marathon, and I had more blisters on my feet than, you know, you could imagine. It was horrible. 
And I started using Belega socks, and since I've used those socks, I've not gotten a blister, right? So when they called, they had pitched me to review their socks. I reviewed it on my blog, but I fell in love with them. So when they had a call for um, an ambassador, a brand ambassador, I applied for it. They don't pay me for it. They don't, you know, I get nothing in return. The only thing I get is I get a couple of pairs of socks every quarter. Maybe they send me three or four pairs of socks every quarter. And it's, I just think that they're great. So they have me and they have about 100 other people out there in the community in specific spots that they want to target who they call brand ambassadors. And as long as we disclose that we are brand ambassadors, it's totally legal, and we tell people that we're wearing the socks or I'm going for a run, I'm wearing my Belega socks, I love my Belega socks, you know, and that type of thing. And that really helps a brand build themselves up. You know, this is a a small brand that uh, they're they're from South Africa, and they wanted to, you know, get uh, the U.S. Uh, population to start wearing their socks. And as a result, they're doing phenomenal in this market. So, you know, again, it, you don't have to – you don't need a lot of money to, you know, to, to take this to another level. That brings me to a question about where the lines are in terms of, for example, in the book, let's talk about the book, are there companies that you received compensation from in order to include them in the book? Um, I did not. There was there was no company in the book that I received compensation from. Um, I interviewed a lot of different um, people from across the country, um, and I have quotes within the book uh, that, you know, I just I either knew the, the people or I knew that they were experts in a specific area, you know, like David Merman Scott, who is, you know, to me, what, I mean, he's like a guru to me because he he's written many, many books on marketing and public relations and I've recommended him, you know, for my class to read his books. Um, you know, like one of them was the Grateful Dead book, uh, where he actually talks about how the Grateful Dead used social media but didn't. I mean, they didn't use social media, but they used the techniques and the tactics of social media by, you know, back in the 60s and 70s by letting their people share photos of the bands or tape record the bands while they were, you know, around and then share that around to people. So it was just, you know, so that for me, that was great. I mean, to get somebody like that in the book. Um, What I also wanted to do in the book was ask a cross section of different people from different states, uh, you know, to see their ideas and, you know, on, on specific either social media sites or, podcasting or what have you. But again, nobody nobody paid me to be part of the book. I never asked anybody. Um, you know, I just, that was not something that I did. But on the flip side, like for my blogs, I do have blog sponsors. I do have people who pay me to be, have an advertisement on my blog. 
and then I give full disclosure. Like if I talk about them, you know, I have um, a law firm that, you know, pays me uh, to be on the blog and I, um, he, the, 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 the uh, managing director of this law firm has a show called Family Comes First. It's on Catholic Network. And I, it's a great show. And he said to me, you know, I really would like to get the word out about my show. Can you help me? And I obviously, you know, write about his show. He helps me. He supports my blog. And obviously I'm going to support him. And so you disclose that you're receiving funds for him for placing yep. him on your site. Yep. And so that's the question, for example, especially on blogs or on social media, a lot of times you can't tell if someone is putting a plug in for something or someone because they genuinely like them or uh-huh. because they're being paid. How do you make that distinction? If you are being paid, if it is a client, do you disclose that? Where, where's that line? You have to. I mean, that's the law. That's the FCC. I mean, there's there's nowhere around that. You know, um, when I receive a product or service on my blog, I will say it right up front in the first paragraph, well, first or second paragraph that I received a product for review. Um, you know, I'll get like a pair of sneakers from, uh, you know, Nike or something like that. And then I'll say, you know, I had gotten these for review from Nike. Um, some people, excuse me, some people return the products. Um, I'm more than happy to return products, you know, after I review them. But um, for the most part, they don't really want them back, especially sneakers. <laughs> it's kind of, you know. But um, you definitely have to disclose that you either received something or it was a sponsored post or you have to use the hashtag, uh, hashtag ad or, um, you know, hashtag sponsored or, you know, if your uh, particular brand has, like, this Belega brand, we, they use the hashtag Belega Impy. Um, not really sure what that means, but <laughs> that I guess they're, they're, they call their Belega ambassadors impies. I'm not really sure what that word means, but <laughs> I go with it. So any tag, any post that you made, you put it the hashtag Belega impie, and that meant that it was a sponsored post. That's correct. Now, how would a regular person who was reading that recognize that that meant they, it was a sponsored if post? If they go to if they go to Belega Impy, right? If they if they hashtag that, they'll see that it's a sponsored post. They'll see that it's uh, that the Impies are these are brand ambassadors. Like heads, I'm also a head sweats ambassador, and I write hashtag head sweats ambassador. Yeah, anything with an ambassador or you know. I think at this point they, people know that about the Bolega Impy because it's it's just been for, you know several years. But um, you know, for the most part, I'll you know if it's something you know like head sweats where I have a, a cap that I'm reviewing or I'm wearing, I'll say head sweats ambassador. Um, you know, so I I 
disclose it every time. I mean, that's really important. How do you know? You, you have to dig. You have, you, you know, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you just need to dig and see if that person is legit or not. Um, you know, if that's really something. Look, I mean, you know, you don't know if somebody's saying, you know, that he got paid from a movie company and they said, you know, well, tell everybody that it was a great movie. You know what? If, if it wasn't a great movie, then people shouldn't say it's a great movie. You know what? If, if Belega socks weren't great socks, I would not be saying it was, they were great socks or head sweats. If, if I didn't believe in the brands, I would not be representing the brands. I mean, that's, I think, where you've got to come into play. You've got to really look at the person and who they are. Um, there's been plenty of brands that have targeted me that I did not believe in, and I walked away. Just like clients, you know, where they've tried to get me to, you know, to represent them, and I did not believe in what they were doing, I walked away. I mean, you've got to feel good about yourself at the end of the day. You really just do. You know, you have to try to be true to yourself who you are. So what I'm saying here is that you need to be true to yourself and you need to be true to yourself and and if there's something that you don't believe in don't represent it don't 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 endorse it if you don't really believe in it don't endorse it And so by the same token for people who are seeing your social media posts, you generic, you individually, but you also, the readers of your book, our listeners, pay attention to who you're following because they may not disclose right away that they are being compensated, that they're ambassadors, whatever's going on. And so a lot of the messaging is going to relate back to who you're following. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, some of these there there are people these these ambassadors on um they're influencers on uh Instagram who are getting tens of thousands of dollars per post to post with a particular brand, Dove Beauty Bar or some other, you know, product um that they're holding in their hand uh while or it may be a fashion brand because they've got such a huge audience, these brands will give them a ton of money to promote them. You know, um, if people have that kind of audience, you've got to assume that they're getting paid something to to promote that brand as well. They should definitely be disclosing, but if they're not, you, you should be, you know, you should really think about if that person is. But Again, you know what? It doesn't really matter if they're getting paid or not getting paid. Again, if they believe in this particular product or service that somebody's doing, whether or not they get paid or not, they need to be true to themselves. And if they are true to themselves, if if you know that person and they're endorsing something, then there's no reason why, you know, it should matter if they're getting paid or not getting paid for it. What if is, you know that person. Right. What is new? What is coming in the future in terms of branding and positioning yourself in the market? What do you see as the number one thing to watch out for? 
Well, I think I think TikTok is really gaining popularity, and it's interesting because a lot of people, not just Gen Zers, but a lot of baby boomers are on there <laughs> being silly and, 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 and trying to build their brand. I actually started uh, my own TikTok channel, and I try to do things that are on point on my brands, you know, so I will um, – show pictures of my book or me holding the book or, you know, whatever, or the book walking across or whatever it is, you know, so I try where I have photographs of different things that I talk about on my blogs, um, you know, so I think whatever you decide to do in terms of the new stuff is just make sure you're on point and you're on brands, you know, so that, you are consistent, and you always have that consistent message. What three tips or suggestions would you share with our listeners, Hillary, that can help them get started if they're just starting or maybe to take their efforts to the next level? Well, I think the first thing would be to determine who you are and what you want to do and where you're going with this and what your goals are, right? So that would be my first suggestion is to to come up with an integrated marketing plan that will help you get focused, number one. Number two, think about whether or not it makes sense for you to blog or it makes sense for you to be on Facebook or Nextdoor or Yelp or whatever. Think about the different social media sites that are out there and what makes sense for you and where are your customers? Who is your buyer? Who is the buyer of your services? You know, your buyer persona, that person. So really delve in and try to figure out who that person would be, where they live, and try to get out there as much as possible to be in that particular area where your buyers will be. And that's going to help you gain market share and ROI. And hopefully you go out and get my book. (laughs) Where can our listeners get more information on the book and some of these topics that we have been discussing? Sure. We've been we've been trying to put um, some information on our blog at hjmt.com. So we so you can go there and every every week or two where we've been putting a you know some information about each chapter on the book. So you can get that. You can also go on amazon.com or Barnes and Noble. Um, the book was published by Our Universe, so you can also go there and. Um, you can get a digital copy of it uh, or a hard copy or a soft copy and, you know, it's available. Or you can contact me. I mean, I'm always open. I'm never – I don't charge a fee if you have a question about the book or about anything in terms of PR or marketing. My email is Hillary with one L at hjmt.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Hillary25, that's one L. Um, or anywhere else on um, the uh, social sphere, which would be Hillary Topper. So um, um, you can pretty much, if you just Google my name, you'll find me. And I'm more than happy to help any business 
Um, and again, I'm not charging any fees. I'm just, you know, I just like to see people succeed. Hillary, thank you for joining us from Long Beach, New York. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the time. And to our audience, you have been listening to author Hillary Topper, who discussed branding in a digital world. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.